0: Morena nomai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo irarangi o Natangata o Manawatu. It is a Thursday morning, uh, and so we turn our attention to local government. Uh, last week, of course, speaking to Mayor Helen Warboys. You can hear that uh, on the website, npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. That was looking at Manawatu District Council. And today we turn our attention to the City Council, Palmerston North City Council, and we have Councillor Bruno Petrenis in the studio. Good morning to you. Very good morning to you, Francis. Um, so, as, as as people listeners will be aware, we sort of slowly work our way through all the councillors over the course of the year. It's quite a, a good way to see different perspectives on some of the bigger issues. Um, you've got quite a number of sort of portfolios uh, in in your in your uh, vision. Uh, we've got uh, the neighbourhoods and villages portfolio, health and well being, transport, the inner city and CBD. Um, With the exception of the health and wellbeing one, a lot of those are very sort of town planning infrastructure sides of things and uh, if people were listening on Tuesday uh, we interviewed Cal- Caroline Miller um, uh, from Massey University and she's a ex-town planner, now very into the history of town planning, wrote the uh, book on Reginald Hammond who designed Savage Crescent back in the 30s um, and you come from a similar sort of background as well don't you in that sort of infrastructure and planning area? Well
1: especially as a, as a civil engineer mm, that's mm, right mm. and it's interesting interesting. Interesting you raised Savage Crescent because uh, my home was in Cook Street, just down the road Mm -hmm. from uh, Savage Crescent, so I saw a lot of of that part of uh, West End. But uh, as a civil engineer, uh, I've had a very keen interest in in infrastructure right across the whole city and even out into the villages and that. And and there's the challenge at the present time, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with the villages um, in terms of ensuring they have the high-quality infrastructure, and uh, waters that's the actual city
0: here well, you did mention water, so we've got to bring it up because <laughs> water is is the contentious issue outside of, you know, pandemic conspiracy theories. Um, th- ooh, it's a big thing to unpack, really. We've got the, the Nature Calls project, which mm-hmm. is how we're going to handle our wastewater in the city moving forward uh, with the price tag to make anyone's eyes water. Right. Uh, obviously going to need some sort of central government support in order to pay for that. Uh, but then at the same time, the government are saying, well, we're going to take that and the drinking water and the storm water off of you now. In fact, recently, it's now mandated. There's a word that we all know what it means now. That's the wrong. government have mandated that councils will relinquish the responsibility, the assets, and in fairness, the debts that may be associated with handling the three waters. And safe to say, not all councils uh, on the same page uh, with this one. Um, has the city council got a sort of unanimous view on this? I don't think they have. At the moment, uh, the council, I believe,
1: uh, is generally in favour of um, the three waters, but um, there are still a lot of questions that have been asked. That have to be answered. So the devil will be in the
0: detail. Um, it's quite interesting because two District Council sort of vehemently opposed uh, to three waters and, and they're the neighbours next door. You'd think there'd be a sort of consensus of, of opinion, but it's very much individual councils with individual opinions. Well, that's right. I mean, say at the
1: end of the day, when, when you mention the word three waters is the complexity of water, wastewater and stormwater. Mm. And I think a lot of people do, uh, underestimate the impact that stormwater has. Because in the network, uh, if you have leakage, a lot of that leakage goes into the wastewater network. So um, nobody's really had a real hard look at the implications of that in terms of how extensive it is. Uh, It would be fair to say that Palmerston North is one of the better councils in terms of the quality of its infrastructure – um, well, we don't have raw sewage bursting into the streets like in Wellington. <laughs> no, but there's always the potential for a pipe breakage. And now and then we get a, a pipe failure um, that has to be addressed. But um, it's a function of how the asset management has been planned and looked after over a number of years. Mm. And I mean say so the, the problem with uh, infrastructure is if it's – Buried, it's out of sight, out of mind. And everybody likes to look at all the fancy infrastructure Mm -hmm. above ground. Do you
0: you think that uh, Nanaya Mahuta's justification for this is sound? Uh, Because this is – Council, uh, for example, Manawatu District Council are saying, we get why you're doing this, but we're fine. Everything's working. You don't need to take it. We've fully uh, recognised some councils haven't been able to, by all means, support them. For example, Palmerston North City Council, by all means, support them in funding the new wastewater project. But you don't have to take everything over, whereas Nanaya Mahuta is saying this is about consistency across the country and that the quality of your drinking water, uh, the quality of wastewater released back into the environment will be consistent from Northland to Bluff. It will be the same across the board. Is that a good enough justification? Well, it's
1: justification, but it sounds easier than actually doing um, I, I was privileged in 1991 to be promoted by the British government to go to England to look at the water PLC formation. And uh, no doubt in my mind the actual infrastructure that I saw in England that they had to look at uh, the formation of these entities um, had to be done because there were rivers that were catching on fire. Uh, wastewater that was going out to sea, although it didn't have solids in it, was a black Mm colour. So um, they are issues that they had to grapple with there. So uh, with a higher population, and I think uh, if you look at New Zealand, uh, we are going to grow rapidly, even in Palmerston North. And it will be uh, very important that we look at how we future-proof uh, the city, in particular if uh, there's the growth uh, that sort of makes us start to move towards nearly 200,000 people. Mm. Do we build a secondary uh, wastewater treatment plant? Do we discharge to the sea? Do we join up with um, Manawatu? Mm. So they're all future-proof issues that have to be addressed, and uh, they're not easy. A lot of money involved, and um, and will take a lot
0: of time. Did did the nature calls uh, project and the subsequent? I think we're in the design phase and and things. Now, does that have an element of future proofing? Is, is that is that got uh, a sort of a, a greater capacity than our current population?
1: Yes, it does uh, cater for that, and it's sort of uh, consented out to thirty five years. So it will basically be the uh, what I would say the preliminary stage before. Um, if this entity comes into being, has to consider how it will manage... The Manawatu, the Palmerston the Horowhenua mm. wastewater issue.
0: Uh, you mentioned growth, and, and and everyone's talking and projecting and predicting growth uh, across New Zealand. Um, but growth can only happen if people can buy houses. That is correct. Um, and people can't at the moment. Well, I, I say people can't. It seems that everyone I talk to can't buy a house, and yet mm. the housing market is on fire. It's just it's, it's going gangbusters, and mm. people are. I think the the one property I saw in Fielding uh, doubled in price in the space of about two or three years. Um, It's it's bizarre. Um, In Palmerston North, uh, we recognise, I think, uh, officially that there is a housing crisis. Um, We must doff the cap to Palmerston North City Council for maintaining and indeed uh, improving dramatically its social housing stock Uh, and recent talks around the the bowling clubs, uh, the the abandoned bowling clubs across across the city being used for residential. But that's the tip of the iceberg. And i know there are big developments planned out on napier road and things as well but even with those it's nowhere near the the amount of housing and the diversity of housing that we need what's the solution to ensure that we can attract people to palmerston north with affordable housing and get that growth that everyone's predicting well um it's a challenging problem there's no doubt about
1: that and uh It's a function of uh, why people want to come to live in Palmerston North. Is it to retire? Is it to come to a job? And I think it's a combination of both. And study Uh, as well. And study as well. And uh, in terms of then developing uh, properties, perhaps not the same way that uh, you or I might have uh, had in the past in terms of – you know, a large acreage of grass out the backyard and a three- or four-bedroom house. So a lot more people now are talking about apartment-style mm. living. And and the question then arises as to whether you can uh, construct affordable-type structures, um, not the three- and four-bedroom-style mm, mm, houses, mm. Uh, to accommodate um, that increase in growth. Now, Palmerston North is on the cusp of what I experienced when I went to Tauranga. Uh, when I went to Tauranga in eighty nine Um, It had a population of 54,000, and now it's got a population of well over 130,000. So uh, I see the cusp of that growth now coming from the top part of the North Island down to the Manawatu. Mm. And a lot of people are coming to Palmerston North and saying, gee, you didn't know it was such a great place Uh, in terms of its position to get round the North Island – And I I think they're looking also for the security and the price of of potential future housing. So that's a challenge. I mean,
0: Mm. is this something that Kayangora should be looking at? Because I I look towards Botanical Road and I see some new properties going in, but they're still single storey. And yes, there are old state uh, houses there that are two or three storeys. And and no, they don't look great, but that's just the era that they were built. But Mm. for new developments, there was the private development down Pioneer, which was, uh, I think, three-storey, two or three-storeys. Surely that's the way we should be going now. Why, why is it that um, Papayaoia Place, which is city council-funded, is single-storey? Why is it that the, the Kayangaora stuff is, is single-storey when that seems the obvious way to create more livable spaces?
1: Well, I mean, so the actual Papayaoia Place uh, was a, a basically a refurbishment, you might sort of say, of what was there. And I think... uh, Oh, I think
0: think it was an overhaul. Everything went bold to the ground and started again.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, because it's gone past its use by date. Mm. But uh, in terms of um, higher density um, apartment living, like you say, two to three storey, first of all, you need the infrastructure. A lot of people seem to think, oh, well, we've got a network in place. But as you put more and more people in a higher density uh, area, then you have to start to look at... Can you service those areas with more people in terms of the pipes, wastewater, storm not so much stormwater, but uh, water mains and that. So um, that's one thing. The second thing is also is the, the change in lifestyle of a community. Uh, I saw something on TV last night about how people are getting married later, how people are having smaller families, and it's the implication of what that might mean in terms of what people want to live in. And uh, if you are in a two or seconds or three-floor building, um, do we apply car parking? Where do we put the car parking? Mm -hmm. Because I've seen a lot of places in Auckland whereby uh, there was no parking on site and so the street became the parking lot and you could hardly move down the street. So the question arises then is what do people really want and how do you accommodate that for an achievable price? Mm. A lot more people, no doubt – are renting, and that's becoming very expensive as well. Yes, it is, yeah. and
0: uh, I appreciate that. That some people and and Caroline Miller was talking about this on Tuesday as well over in Germany. Renting for life is a perfectly acceptable thing to do. In fact, there are companies that set up that build developments that you can rent for life, and even and if you pass away, your children could take over and rent yeah, that's it. Right. But. That model doesn't work in New Zealand because the rental market is all small uh, Im- investors, investors and they. developers. Um, and theoretically, they're only interested in the capital gain at point of sale. But for some reason, the rent's still going up and up and up. I mean, it's, it's ludicrous now. Absolutely. The rents. And, and that
1: becomes a function of whether you're retired on a relatively fixed income. Mm or whether you're still looking for a job. And so it's a function of making sure that we look at our growth of our um, facilities, for example, the northeastern industrial area, and look at trying to attract businesses to the city. I've seen uh, places over in England whereby they were were clean industries. You know, they they looked at the technology of uh, computers and all the rest of it, uh, so they weren't... uh, creators of emissions or or problems for the environment. Mm. So it's a matter of uh, combining, you might sort of say, with the benefits of Massey University and trying to uh, attract the students to stay in Palmerston Mm. North and look at businesses that might engage them.
0: We are here with Bruno Petrenas, a councillor for Palmerston North City Council, uh, looking at what the City Council is working on at the moment in the catch-up. If you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Uh, We mentioned at the beginning, Bruno, that uh, one of your portfolios is neighbourhoods and villages. Mm -hmm. uh, And one of the newest villages into that portfolio, I think it's a couple of years, now is bunnythorpe uh, originally in the manawatu district council council boundary yeah. uh, moved into palmerston north um, and it it's it's a it's a, a strange relationship with bunnythorpe i'd say at the moment because there was an application for a community committee um, uh, which would uh, uh, attract funding from the council if it went through, and also a reporting mechanism, which was denied. Um, and also, with the Kiwi Rail freight hub going in, uh, there's a very creative sign on the side of the road as you go through Bunnythorpe, uh, um, suitably censored, uh, but still being quite clear that uh, the actions of the city council and Kiwi Rail um, could be detrimental to the health of Bunnythorpe. What are you doing with your portfolio hat on to try and mitigate some of this and try and make the relationship a bit stronger? Well,
1: with my hat, I'm trying to sort of make sure that the actual people of Bunnythorpe are kept appraised of what is proceeding with the actual uh, hearing that's been concluded now, but there's still decisions to be made on that. And so that becomes a very much a wild card for a lot of the community in Bunnythorpe as to how will they be impacted so it's a matter of working with them to show that really at the end of the day there's going to be significant benefits to Bunnythorpe by that uh, development being along Railway Road. Mm-hmm. And uh, But for some people that are directly impacted that might ha- lose property or houses, I can uh, sympathise with them that this seems to have come out of nowhere. Uh, they thought they were there for life and now they're um, severely impacted. Uh, In terms of uh, developing Bunnythorpe, it's important to listen to the community uh, in terms of their desires for infrastructure, and there are still issues of stormwater and wastewater to be uh, fixed up. Um, A brand-new community centre has been um, blessed uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, but the formal opening still hasn't occurred because they're still doing a bit of uh, infrastructure works out the front for Mm -hmm. parking and that. So um, it's, a, it's a matter of trying to ensure that the confidence, you might say, of the community is held uh, carefully mm-hmm. so that um, the future proofing, uh, they, they will win from it. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. I I personally feel that uh, with the development of the uh, freight hub, there will be significant growth out in the Bunythorpe area. So that in turn also then requires to ensure that we have good infrastructure servicing that area. And the concept of a village might change. And I think that's the biggest uh, concern for a lot of people that live in villages, whether it be Ashurst or um, Bunnythorpe. Uh, They like the actual village environment. But slowly and surely, as everything grows, um, the actual environment changes.
0: I, you're hard-pushed to call Ashurst a village now, really. You are.
1: You really are. And I think with the opening of the new route across the actual um, the Gorge replacement mm. road um, – Will, will change quite uh, dramatically uh, how um, Ashes performs.
0: Mm. Um, let's have a look at the health and wellbeing portfolio. Um, firstly, good to see uh, you looking so well. A little health scare recently, but you, you're bouncing back just fine, it seems. Yep. Um, but obviously, with the pandemic situation we have at the moment, I imagine you are liaising with people and just keeping on top of things. I, I know uh, in our interview with Jimmy Ellingham from uh, RNZ yesterday, Palmerston North is over that 90% threshold for vaccinations, which is excellent news. Mm. Um, interestingly, though, the more rural districts in the region, in the mid-central DHB region not doing so well, um, but that's not your responsibility. It's fine. Um,
1: but, uh, well, it's not, but I may say at the end of the day, it's important we are aware of it, mm-hmm. especially with the changes in Auckland and uh, what that might mean for the Palmerston North area as people now move mm. from that area of constraint Throughout the country,
0: and I know it's an, uh, an operational matter, and councillors don't get involved in that. But obviously, when we move from the alert level system into the traffic light system, uh, has there been anything contentious or difficult to deal with in that migration, and, and how some of our facilities might operate under these new new settings?
1: Haven't had that briefing yet from the chief executive, uh, Heather Schotter, but she's making sure that that is very carefully looked after mm. and has done a good job in the past with all the changes of uh, the lockdown rates and all the rest of it. Have, so, have,
0: have uh, councillors been involved in the push to sort of fight the misinformation around vaccines and try and encourage the community to get their vaccinations? Yes, I did have a session
1: uh, a few weeks ago. To get out there and sort of look at trying to attract people to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fully vaccinated, and uh, there's no, been no problem. Um, but uh, yes, it's 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 a challenge to try and overcome the misinformation that mm-hmm. is being presented, and understand that. You're doing it for everybody, not only for yourself, but for everybody as well. So I, I sort of say, get a shot or we'll get that
0: get <laughs> uh, Did um, I can't remember. Is Newbury in the City Council? Uh, no, uh, no, it's in the District m- Council. Because uh, uh, there was a, an event that was going to be held at Newbury Hall, but uh, when Newbury Hall found out what it was for, they said no. But this is uh, a movement by... Uh, Poor and misguided individuals that think getting a a, a friendly doctor to sign a letter saying you're exempted from the vaccine is going to be somehow useful when there is no exemption process in place yet. I mean – the misinformation is real, and yes, Palmerston North, I think at last count, was around about 91%. Uh, I think that might be just first dose, but it's an indication yeah, three, of where we're going rate. to be. Yeah. Um, 9% of our eligible population haven't gone near a vaccination centre mm. and are likely, the, the vast majority of them, not all, are anti-vaxxers, vaccine-hesitant uh, conspiracy theorists. That's a concern, isn't it? Well, it is one in ten people.
1: It is It is a concern. Uh, it will be interesting to see uh, in terms of uh, our ability to move around if there are vaccination certificates presented that you can only get into big events. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, for example, uh, if you're going to travel by Air New Zealand, you have to be vaccinated or have been tested uh, 72 hours beforehand. So... To those that are not vaccinated will find it very tedious and very uh, debilitating, you might sort of mm. say, to move around as freely as they think they will mm. um, by being um, unvaccinated. This
0: is going to have an impact on a, on a lot of city council events, I would think. I'm thinking Esplanade Day, Festival of Cultures, all of these open air events with no sort of one point of entry and exit. You can't apply the vaccine certificate rule to those, so are these events going to go ahead? I don't know at this stage. Mm-hmm. It's unknown, but
1: what you raise is a, a valid point, is how do you control multiple entry points and how do you certify or confirm that what you've being shown mm-hmm. is the correct stuff?
0: Uh, It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, We are here with Bruno Petranis on the catch up from Palmerston North City Council, uh, looking at the various portfolios he holds uh, and some of the the big projects that the City Council have been undertaking. Um, E scooters are now in Palmerston North. Uh, I was quite surprised by this. Um, Three companies each with a, a permit, in essence, to have 200 scooters each in the city, which means there are 600. And there's a fourth company that may be coming next year with another 200, which means there'd be one scooter for every 100 people. Mm. Is that a little too many?
1: Well, I think it's a function of those companies as to whether they can survive in mm. the environment. If, if you've got too many and, and they're not u- utilised, well, you're not making the revenue stream that you thought you might make. Are you an e-scooterer? No, I'm not an e-scooterer, <laughs> no. I'm I sort of uh, a part of the elderly group. Well, that, gold
0: card members get a discount on them.
1: That's very good. But uh, gold card members, if they fall off, they could break their hip <laughs> or true. their leg or end up in hospital. But uh, yes, yeah, so I think it's a challenge in the sense that uh, it might be great for younger people that uh, I've seen some being utilised by those younger people um unfortunately some of them have been left uh, incorrectly on footpaths well this is
0: what i was going to ask because that's the real concern for mm-hmm. the 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 more wise generation mm-hmm. uh is the the fact you can't hear them coming uh and people leaving them in inappropriate places or That's when they right. fall over in the wind, right. uh, they become trip hazards and, and okay. obstacles to overcome. And, and, and that is a legitimate concern. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I mean, say,
1: so the, at, at the end of the day, any issues, uh, complaints that have been generated and that are basically looked after by staff. And if they have to change rules or regulations
0: with those companies, they will... Well, um, basically, the, advise them. The permits that were put in place are quite uh constricted. There mm. are speed limits. There are yeah. no-go zones. There are limits in the hours of use. Mm. Uh, there is, uh, I think, uh, a, a, a good balance there in terms of incentivizing riders to park them in sensible places. They get a, a discount from their ride and, and such. Are you happy with the level of constraints or or rules within the permits, or was that discussion, should it have gone further?
1: Well, that discussion probably will go further. Uh, I have seen a number of uh, people on scooters travelling on the road without helmets. Mm -hmm. Now, we require everybody that's on a cycle to have a helmet on, and so they – Tend to want to sort of be on a smoother surface than on the footpath where they're going up and down, up and down on a hundred driveways. Mm-hmm. So there are issues there. And the Although
0: question- is it is – I mean, I, I, we spoke to Jimmy Ellingham about this, and actually I think it is safer for the e-scooter helmet or not to be in the cycle lane or on the road because if you're, if you're capable of doing 25 kilometres an hour down a pavement with driveways everywhere, all it takes is one car backing out. And-
1: oh, Absolutely. I, I thought they were limited to 15 kilometres an hour.
0: In the CBD I mean, they DC. are, but as soon as you get out, you
1: can go 25. Uh, right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that that has always been a challenge for um, cyclists, even on mobility um, uh, units yep, going yep. along footpaths of back, people backing out of uh, driveways and that. So that's why you see in a lot of properties the fences cut down for visibility as mm-hmm. they exit out.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see that develop. Uh, the scooters are here until next November, isn't it? They've got a, a, tri- so. it's a trial for I a call. year, uh, and we'll see yeah. where we go from there. Uh, a reminder uh, that Gold Card uh, user, uh, Gold Card holders do get a discount on them. So I, I, I bet you can, you can. You should have one go. <laughs> no, no, I'm sort of
1: prudent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, we are pretty much out of time, uh, Bruno Petrenas. Palmerston North City Councillor holder of the Neighbourhoods and Villages uh, Health and Wellbeing Transport and Inner City CBD portfolios thank you for joining us thank you for the opportunity to talk with you and remember if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch Up series just head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up we'll be back tomorrow at half past eight with another edition speaking to Ian McKelvey MP for Rangitiki do join us then bye for now